thing, your fake doctor's license hearing already took place and you were reinstated into the fake doctor's world. And anything that happened in your previous life as a fake doctor has been eliminated because if it hadn't been, uh, I would have been forced to bring up the fact that you thought Austin Matthews might be affected the entire season with his wrist injury. And maybe for the rest of his career, maybe never the same. Seems pretty good. Seems like he's doing all right. First of all, when I said it could affect his season, maybe I was referencing the movie Rookie of the Year. Where oh, buddy. I love he it. Yes. Tears Sing it. Sing his it. elbow, and then he gets a super strong elbow, and then yeah. he's a kid who can throw 100 mile per hour heaters. I love that. I want to know what the actual mile per hours were on the fastball in that movie. Did they ever say? Does he? Do we ever I, have a never shot of hundred? It was like ninety-two, and guys were like, yeah. "Oh, we got no chance." Whoa. I'm sorry. We we we've <laughs> yeah. never seen anything like this yeah, before. They get a, a Kenny Junior cameo. He's like, "I just can't. I just never even dream on hitting this kid." Although was that rookie? I, I always get the two confused. That was There's, rookie of the year. That was rookie of the year, where he's like, "If you hit a home run, you can date my mom." That one. Uh, I don't remember that scene necessarily, but it ends. That's with, the Ken Griffey. Spoiler Jr. alert. If you haven't That's seen the Ken it, Griffey no, Jr. Pick... scene. I don't remember that. I, Ken Griffey listen, Jr. robs the guy life. of a home run at the end of the movie. I know because I loved Ken Griffey Jr. so much that when I was a kid, I was rooting against the people in the movie that were supposed to be the protagonists going like, yeah, Griffey. <laughs> Way to rob the home run. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, so Rookie of the Year, he's a, a, a Cubs pitcher. And it ends with. I'm uh, talking about Little arm. Big League, apparently. Is Little yes, Big League. Little Big I, League is he's like yeah. owns the Twins. He's the manager. Or right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I got the. See, that's what I'm saying. Those two movies are too similar in terms of, hey, young I've boys, do you Little love baseball? Yeah. yeah, here's these movies that are all the same where you could be involved. Oh, man, a sign of the times. Imagine catering a movie to 10 year olds about baseball. They're like, what yeah. is that? What, uh, what is. <laughs> Sorry? There was also <laughs> Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, I know. It was big time. They for couldn't make it enough. They were just no. these bo- young boys. They love baseball. <laughs> <They gotta, laughs> and we did. I did. It's I taken love. off. Nobody could get uh, enough baseball movies for children. Oh yeah, yeah. different no, times. Rookie different of the year times. was he breaks his arm, he throws nineties, and then at the end he wins the game throwing the the loft ball or whatever underhand mm. pitch. <laughs> Good one. I'm not even sure I saw Rookie of the Year. I'll be honest. Okay. I feel like I, I know it only in memory. I was a Little Big Leagues guy, all right? I'm a Little Big Leagues guy. That's what I stand by. Little Big Leagues, Little Giants, those are the good sports movies from my childhood. Okay, so back to fake Matthews, doctor. back to my fake doctor's license. You can understand why someone would say, please, please, please don't let this be an aggressively bad injury because of this guy's oversized importance to the team. We talked about it earlier this week with Justin Bourne. It is ridiculous that the Toronto Maple Leafs have a player where we just expect him to get 40 goals in a regular season. That it's not just, oh my God, what an accomplishment anymore. That it's just, what is he going to do next when it comes to goal scoring? Where is he going to end up on the pantheon of great goal scorers? He's in his early 20s. Somebody tweeted at me yesterday, is he the greatest goal scorer since Ovechkin or is he already as good as Ovechkin? That's ridiculous, obviously, because Ovechkin, in my opinion, is the greatest goal scorer of all time. It goes him one, and I'm sorry, but Gretzky falls behind just because of error of adjustments. Like, Ovechkin's going to finish with over 800 goals in his career, barring some kind of a horrible injury. And so having, what, 90 less goals than... The great one. I think we can do, like, you don't need to be told by hockey reference that there's a bit of a, an era adjustment that needs to happen Come on. between the 80s and, yeah, yeah the 2010s or 2020s. And, and, and this isn't even a shot at Gretzky. And people say Lemieux, and I'm like, that's cool. And some people say Bossy. I think that's, come on. But it's fine, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, whatever. To me, it's Ovechkin. If it's to someone else to you, that's totally fine. Just that's it to me. But it seems pretty clear that Austin Matthews looks like the the front runner to be his generation's greatest goal scorer and if he's doing it in this era and he does it with this longevity then yeah he's probably going to end up as one of the greatest goal scorers of all time like that's not out of the realm of possibility i've been watching this team for a long time and i've i've known people that had to throw their love of a player right 
into this fran- when they're being friends fans of this franchise into I don't want to even say the names of the players because it sounds insulting but like when I was growing up it was there were people that were Steve Thomas fans it's like mm-hmm. you loved Stumpy mm-hmm. a guy nicknamed Stumpy was your favorite player maybe I gravitated towards the goalies because they always had really great goalies I I, I was very, very happy and very, very lucky to watch Matt Sundin throughout his prime as a Toronto Maple Leaf. But this is just a completely de- different element. This is a guy who scores 40 goals and is only going to play 52 games this season. And it's an expectation. It's just, it's an expectation. And I think that is what really stuck with me last night was that it wasn't even like we were tracking this like it was a real chase. It was an inevitability. Yeah, and that's it. It's the expectation right out of the gates, right? Like, mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos made it. He, last guy to score 60, like, he eventually turned into that premier goal scoring, uh, goal scorer. First year was a little rough, and I remember being there being serious questions about his future in Tampa, whether he would ever live up to the hype of being the first overall pick. Austin Matthews, day one, steps onto the ice against the Ottawa Senators, scores four goals. Scores 40 goals mm-hmm. in his first season. Has been answering the bell in the postseason. He hasn't been the guy that you've pointed to and said he hasn't shown up in the playoffs. Since day freaking one, he has led the National Hockey League in five-on-five goals. And yeah, to, to your point, I was doing a little mental calibration as to what is the closest thing in my recent memory following this hockey team, and I was going back to those Kessel runs because, I mean, Phil Kessel gets a... Um, a bad rap, obviously, about those teams because they were rancid. But there were some exciting Phil Kessel goal-scoring runs when that team was scoring, like, on the rush all the time. And that was like, what was it? He w- he would he went on a run of uh, 20 goals in 37-some-odd games. That's it. Like, that's, that's the height of my watching a goal-scorer go on a hot streak like this. I've never seen anything close to this. And if you are talking about error-adjusted, it, it's not even close in franchise history. Yeah. So we'll do more Matthews at 10, and if people want to drop us a line, again, on Instagram and Twitter at JD Bunkus, at Sportsnet Ben, or you can hit the text line, 590-590. But I do want to talk more about Matthews in just kind of the context of the franchise and, and appreciating what we have a little bit here, just because I know people do it. I know people understand the impact of Matthews. I know people understand how special a talent he is, and what it's like watching him, but comparing him to some of the seasons that I have seen in my lifetime and some of the leading goal scorers on this franchise like during years I've been a fan since the 2000s was uh, quite a, sh- a shocking exercise for me yesterday, remembering and digging in through the, the bones of all of these just awful years. It's just incredible what a what a top-tier player does for your franchise like this, like how it just... It doesn't eliminate the past. It doesn't take away the pain because those things tend to resurface like in a deep, much deeper way once the team is eliminated year over year, right? Normally, there would be a different level of patience for a team like the Maple Leafs that's still very, very young. And there's a level of urgency with them that comes with not having a Stanley Cup since they've expanded past six teams. But in the moment, when you watch someone that's that brilliant, that's that dominant, you think it's hard to remember anything before him, you know? It's it's hard to remember what life was like without watching a guy who could effortlessly score 40 goals and who I think is on pace for an 82-game season this year. For, he would have had, not he would have, but would have been on pace for 67 goals. 67. Yeah. No, I know. it's Well, it's the highest goals per game since Mario, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's right. what we're, we're talking about. And again, adjusted goals. The, these are, like, the people, I have the list of the franchise leader in adjusted goals, which is simple enough to just look at the top goal scorers in the league and the number of goals scored in the league at that time and then mm-hmm. add that percentage to the person's goals. He's second all-time already this season. Mm-hmm. Adjusted goals, he has 65 this year. Uh, that's behind Babe Die, who uh, played in 1924-1925. We all remember Babe Die. Uh, he's like just peppered throughout this list. He's ahead of the Mahovlich year, who was the only guy who reached 40 goals faster in 1961. 52 adjusted goals. Matthews' season a year ago, where he easily would have had 50 if they play the full 82-game season, 56. It's it's You just... You're right. You take him for granted because ever since he's been a Toronto Maple Leaf, he's been 
arguably the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League, especially five on five. You know what? I'm glad you brought up the wrist injury, though, because, okay, there's going to be th- this season's going to need context, right? Did the Leafs face a lot of inferior opponents every single night? Yeah. Sure, sure. They should have been favored in every game from a talent standpoint outside of the net. Like, unless Michael Hutchinson was in net or it was a back to back, they should have been favored against every single one of their opponents because they're just better. They're a better hockey team. Anytime you could have gotten the Leafs at a plus number, it was because of the goaltending, right? Or Matthews was out of the lineup. They were dealing with some kind of an injury. So that matters. Like, that that context obviously matters. But so does the fact that he was dealing with a wrist injury, that he couldn't shoot properly for weeks to the point where we did have that conversation of, well, if he is playing right now and he's not looking like Austin Matthews, that was a real stretch of games. So, okay, like, let's just take the adjustment of playing crappy teams, which they did. Let's say that lifeless games, no fans, Canadian division, all of those different things in terms of, like, asterisking the goals per game that is there with Austin Matthews. I would just say that if you probably give this guy a healthy wrist, um, how many goals? Does he already have 50 goals? Like, our, we're definitely talking about, like, he's 100% if they play the whole season getting 50. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would have done that last year, and it would have been back-to-back years. But that's what I mean. It's He's he's doing it this year in the compressed schedule 100% if he does not hurt the wrist injury. But, like, if you look at the game logs of the quote-unquote scoring droughts with Matthews, that's the other thing, too, is, like, mm-hmm. we react that way when the guy doesn't score in a couple of games. We go, is he all right? Yeah. No, it was five games that he went without a goal. Like, right, well, five games where he went without a goal, and we're Twice like, oh, he's... he went five goals, uh, five <laughs> games without a goal, and then he had two stretches where he had a, yeah. a goal, and uh, he had eighteen and eighteen and nineteen and nineteen, two separate right. incidences of that. But yeah, yeah five games where okay, <laughs> you've pretty much locked up first in the division since day one of the season. Yeah, and yeah, the the sky is falling because Austin Matthews didn't score in a week and a half. I, I'm just saying, I know that that sentiment about Matthews is definitely going to be out there. Because I think while we can all acknowledge he's great, that the season has mattered. And the same goes for Connor McDavid, right? He's going to hit 100 points. And last night he's doing it against the Canucks, and I'm just thinking, for everybody involved, like these games against the Canucks and these games against the Senators and having, what is it, eight or is it more? I think I don't remember anymore. It was eight games, nine? You have have nine against every team and some against uh, ten against some. Right, the fact that you can get... 18 games against the Canucks and Flames this year mm-hmm. feels pretty good. You know? Like, that feels like a pretty good place to pad stats. So, it's exciting. It's incredible. But there is just a little bit of, okay, I'd like, I, this is only going to make me more excited to see next year how real this is, if, if that makes sense. Like, next year, it's it's going to feel a little bit more... Um, like I don't want to say this is asterixy because there's just there's the reason why it's not asterixy is because there's like I mentioned there's mitigating circumstances to every series season, there's different eras, there's different goaltenders, whatever line combinations, what what have you. the The idea that this one will go down as an all time special one for either guy I don't think is quite there because of the circumstance, but. I do think it's legit, and I do think it sets up for very, very big questions next year of going, how many goals will Matthews score this year? How many points will McDavid get next year? But I just feel that way about Matthews. Like, people are looking at the 40, because I know I feel that way about McDavid's 100. Yeah, there is some of that, and you have yeah. to add context to anything. But again, this is a guy who scored 40 goals like right out of the shoot, yeah. who would have easily... No, 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 no. It's not that he can't score 40, Benny. It's not that he can't score 40. It's that is next year, is he really, if he plays 82 games, which I don't even think he's going to play 82. But, like, can he score 60 goals in a season, basically? Is he going to score 60? And I have those numbers in front of me as far as the goals against the bad teams. He has nine against the Senators in eight games, Mm -hmm. nine against the Canucks in nine games, five Mm -hmm. against the the Flames, five against the Oilers, seven against the Canadians, and five against the Jets. So he's an equal opportunity guy. But, yeah, he's made some hay against the, the Senators and Canucks. Again, they've been favored in every single game. I'm, I'm really, I don't mean to be sounding like I'm the guy who's diminishing this. It's just that, yeah, the competition has not exactly been stiff. I do wonder what this would have been like had there been a full season. Like, that being said, I do believe he's also the greatest goal scorer in the NHL right now. Um, so, 
it's just it's hard to kind of parse it out. All right, I want to move on to a couple of other things because we're going to obviously come back to Matthews today. And again, hit us up on social and on the text. Good show on Sports Five Nine of the Fan. I'm JD Bunkus. He's Ben Ennis. Been a Leafs fan my whole life. Like my early, some of my earliest memories are, well, frankly, being <laughs> disappointed with the team, um, debating it with my dad and his friends, and I, like I haven't even scratched the surface of what Joe Bowen knows about this franchise, but it's pretty incredible to look back on since the year 2000. And I kind of count myself as like a, an, an actual functioning brain since around then. Because I was really, really a young child before that. I was kind of a young child in the year 2000. But there's been one 40-goal. There, there's one 40-goal Leafs season that wasn't Austin Matthews, and that was Matt Sundin in 01-02. And just to put it in perspective, like Matt Sundin is a top 25 goal scorer all time in NHL history. And so what we're seeing right now, I just, I really do hope that. Sometimes people step back and try to contextualize things and appreciate the moment of what it's going to be like to actually get to watch one of, I believe, barring injury, the greatest goal scorers of all time throughout his entire prime and maybe his entire career. Joe Bowen, Leafs play-by-play voice, uh, Leafs legend, joins us now. Joe, how are you today? We're good. How are you guys today? Doing well. So, yeah, is is there any way that you can that you've thought about putting this in perspective? Like when you see that number 40 and the on pace for something crazy, like 67 over 82, even with all of the context that has gone on throughout this year, the effortlessness in which Matthews just continues to score goals. Like what, what does it make you think about in particular? I think, well, obviously the one thing is that you wish that they were going to play the full 82 games and you could really, instead of doing percentages and if and this worked and if that will happen, then this is where it is. I mean, then it would actually be standing the test of time and it would be right into the record books. And as it is now, uh, that's not going to happen. Rick Vibe's record for most goals scored in a a single season is going to uh, hold the test of time for at least one more uh, season. Uh, but the thing that I noticed and, and I'm most impressed with, uh, with this young man is his consistency. I mean, other than scoring four goals in his very first game, he doesn't score a lot in bunches. He, he gets one a night or maybe two at the most, but it's every single night. This guy seems to light the lamp and they're not, uh, you know, the, the seventh goal in the 7-2 win. He scores more opening goals. He scores more goals in the first period. He scores more um, uh, game-winning goals. He scores more taking the lead goals. I mean, they're all, they all seem to be, um, you know, very, very important in the context of that night's effort. And, I think that's the thing that I am most impressed with with this young man, uh, and and just watching him develop and and grow into a into a into a man. I mean, he arrived as a boy, and we were all quite impressed. But he has grown uh, in size, in strength, uh, in physicality. I watched a number of interesting little maneuvers that he now utilizes his body and his frame so much more effectively on the forecheck and taking pucks back. But uh, it's the consistency, I think, that is just the most amazing thing that you watch night in and night out. Well, yeah, and when you're talking about the types of goals he scores, you know what else the types he scores is the ones where the goalies are in the net. Like our friend Luke Fox Mm -hmm. tweeted yesterday night that he has none of his goals out of the 40 or empty netters, which is astonishing for somebody who hits 40. Yeah, but he's also on the ice in those situations. And, you know, the other thing is, what would happen if they actually had a decent power play? Seriously. You know, I mean, it was great. It it was great early on. And and he he scored. He scored enough goals, I suppose. But what happens if this thing was clicking at 23, 24 percent the entire year? How many power play goals do you think he would have? And and that's, you know, that's and, and that's partly on him because he's the shooter. He's the finisher. And, uh, you know, between he and John Tavares probably are the two premier goal scorers 
that this team has up front. And when the power play is not working, a lot of it has to kind of go on their shoulders. So, uh, but having said that, if this thing ever gets turned around on the season and he starts to score like Ovechkin does on the power play, uh, then you better really look out. So you started calling Leaf games in, in 82, so right after Vive's 54-goal season, but you saw him score 50 a couple more times after that. Uh, Matthews, his his season last year, even though it was shortened, uh, not 82 games, is still tied for seventh all-time in franchise history with John Tavares with the 47. So you have a, a pretty good understanding of the history of this franchise, and, and we can do the, the math year over year and how the game has changed from the early 80s to now. Is it just quite simply, is he the, the greatest goal scorer in this franchise's history? Not yet. <laughs> still got to put the numbers up. Still got still to do it, you know, and, and, and you can't belittle other players who have done this before. I mean, Rick Five scored 50 goals three times. I don't care what uh, era it was or anything else. You still have to get there. Now, will he? I have full confidence that he will, um, but until it's actually in the books, I don't think he. No, and it's like you know, well, he's at a certain percentage. Well, percentage be damned. The numbers are there. If he doesn't get the numbers, then he's not as good as the other guy. Well, uh, that will happen, uh, barring uh, you know something unforeseeable that we certainly do not expect and pray does not happen. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, when his career is done uh, and, and he plays as much as these other guys have, absolutely. But until, until you do it, the other guy still holds the record. You know, Daryl Sittler holds that 10 points for a long, long time. No one else has done it. Yeah. And we, we do this a lot where we go era adjusted and it's not really fair because, you know, there's certain players that we haven't seen. We've only seen highlights of or – we just get little snippets of of their careers. We have to go off of hearing other people give the Big accounts and all of the different. Great. No, no, but but it, it, like it is parts like me. No, but it, I just don't think it's. <laughs> but like again, but you have your biases too, right? Where it's like there's certain guys that you would have watched maybe as your career was taking off. It feels a little different. But here's here's the context that I do like, especially coming from you. Where does Matthew slot in amongst the players that you've just most enjoyed to watch? Let's take goalies out of the mix because I know you love goalies. Hmm. Well, I are one, so okay. Yeah. Um, I are. Okay. <laughs> I are too. Here's, 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 here's the issue, I think, guys. And, and, and you can't really take things out of context because the game has changed, obviously. Mm-hmm. Rick Vibe was in the era of oohs and ahs. And I say that, and I wish we had more oohs and ahs in the game now. Because when he came down the wing, and he wound up, and he was on an angle, and he was slapping the puck. Sometimes it went in, and it was wow, and sometimes he just missed, and it was ooh or ah. What happens with Matthew so often is it's so damn fast, you don't get a chance to ooh and ah. It's just gone, and it's in. But he scores different goals, obviously. Uh, it's the quick release. It's the wonderful wrist shot. But it's not the it's not the Frank Mahovlich or the Rick Vibe coming down the wing and winding it up and blasting it by a goaltender whose equipment was far too small and who was probably scared to death from playing the position anyway. So um, I mean that that's that's just different. It, it is, and the game is different. And these players have adapted to the game because of its change. And but but to see the results that he does and how quick and how I mean that that shot last night. I mean, that was just a laser. It was off his stick, in the net, and out. And I hardly had an opportunity to say he scores. I mean, it was that's the thing that you really are so impressed of how he has adapted to a different style of play in the league that is current and yet is excelling at it. You know, that's a really great point because now, I, just as you were saying it, I was thinking on how many times Matthews has scored where I needed the replay. Like, right. what if they just in- eliminated instant replay from Austin Matthews' goals? Like, our lack of understanding of the player. <laughs> like, yeah, we would think know, he's well, a witch or something. <laughs> you know what, guys? I'll tell you one thing that I really miss. Uh, because of not uh, having uh, a crowd. The yeah. glass banger. The glass banger behind the net. 
He knows the damn thing is in. Half the time, the players don't know it's in. But the guy who's guzzled down 15 beers and is banging on the glass, he damn well knew it was in. And I'll take my cue from the glass banger before anybody else. And half the time, the referees don't know it's in. And a lot of times, the players don't know that it's in. And it's really been a strange kind of uh, situation this year without people in the stands and whatnot. But... uh, the, the instant replay certainly shows an awful lot of times that thing is in and out before you have a chance to sneeze. Here's one thing that we learned through the pandemic that is conclusive. We can debate a lot of different things throughout this. We cannot debate the importance of fans in stadiums. Uh, they are extremely, extremely missed from every single vantage point, whether it's yours, whether it's just the viewing experience, and whether it's me who wishes he could be the, the beer-guzzling glass banger. Um, Joe, this was great, man. Thanks so much for making time for us today. We appreciate it. Here's, here's something that maybe we should put, uh, put out. If, if, if got to win a round, maybe win two. Now if they have to go to the States, wouldn't it be something if we could just maybe move to Buffalo and then people who actually wanted to go to the game could go across the border, go to the game, maybe even get a shot and come home and quarantine for two weeks and enjoy themselves. I will quarantine for months for that opportunity. So you're talking to a show that was like seriously considering moving ourselves down to Florida so that we could go to Blue Jays For regular season baseball games. So like, why not? Why not? Hey, it it seems to be able to go one way, but you can't do uh, both ways. So we'll we'll work it out. Hopefully it'll all get done in a quick order here, guys, and maybe we might even, who knows, be able to get a few people in the rinks before that. God, I hope so. Fingers crossed. And hopefully for your sake, um, Aaron Rodgers returns to the Packers, but probably not. Yes, and the glass bangers. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. See you, Joe. <laughs> okay, guys. Take care, man. There's Joe Bowen. Legend. Leafs play-by-play voice, 82. That's when he first started calling Leafs games. I hadn't even done that mental exercise yet, but it's now firmly implanted, which is, oh, my God, if they make it to a East, like if they make it to a conference final – it's going to be somewhere where you can get a ticket and like you can go. Yeah. And people used to say like, what would you pay for that opportunity? Like that used to be a hypothetical because it was just like so far outside the realm of possibility. But now it's like, Oh, Hmm. I'm getting my first. I actually don't even want to talk about it because I don't even want to like advertise it for other people where I'm like, that's a bad idea. Everybody don't do that as as I try to do it. 100%. Yeah, and we'll see how in demand these tickets are going to be in whatever Tampa and what capacity they're looking at at that arena in Tampa. You think that there's any scenario? They could play the games in Moon Jail and Leafs fans would be trying to make the the, the quest to get it done. There's zero place on the planet they can put Toronto Maple Leafs conference playoff games, even during a pandemic, where they're not going to sell out the max capacity of whatever the hell that stadium is. No, I'm just talking about the difficulty in acquiring these tickets. Oh. Yeah, again, don't even think about it. It's not for you. It's your family. (laughs) You know what? You got other priorities. Would be a smart move right now. I bet you. I'll bet you. And listen, again, like you, I'm not advocating for this. But I bet you right now those teams are selling Don't playoff strips right now. I no. bet you all those teams, you could probably spread your money around to a couple of the different teams that you think could have a chance of meeting the Toronto Maple Leafs in the third round, mm. buying a couple playoff strips. And even if you decide not to go down to those games, perhaps somebody no, would be willing I, yeah, to I take t- them off no. your hands. See, this is how I know you're such a guy who's, like, never even been to a playoff game in this city. Like, you're such a scumbag. Honestly, that drives me nuts. The idea that you – like, you're a war profiteer. That's who you are, and that's how you look at things. You did it I've with Masters this, tickets. You do it with – no, no, no. Well, Honestly, I, I, I did stop. did it with the Masters you're tickets my, because no. I went down to the no. Masters. And the second I one, I couldn't right go now. down to the Masters because my son was no. born the week prior. You've never been to a playoff game in this city. And you've never known what it's like to be a diehard fan who will do anything to get into a building and see it. You're just not that guy. And it's like I remember with the Tragically Hip tickets where there were people that were trying to jump on so that they could buy them and then they could resell them. If you're someone who is an actual sports fan and you buy a ticket with the intention of upselling it to another fan, especially someone like a Leaf fan who is desperate to try and – 
you're garbage. You're a garbage human being. I don't care. I don't care what your financial situation is or if you think you're an entrepreneur or anything like that. By capitalizing on people's love of something irrational like that and trying to be the profiteer, like you're a bananas. Like you're an Oakville guy where it's just like, oh, I – you know, have you know? Ten, I love I have how you're a talking about something that I've never done before. It's okay. No, but you suggested it right away because that's where your brain went. Your brain didn't go. My brain went. I'll do anything to get to that game. Your brain went. How could I profit? How could yeah. I profit off of uh, somebody doing that? That's so you, man. Oh like that's God. so you. That's so 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 wow. you. Of course, of course, that's you. War profiteer. Um, if you can get those tickets, you better go to the game. That's all I gotta say. You buy a ticket. You go to the game or it's a gift to somebody because you're giving them something that they might think about for the rest of their lives. What an incredible, joyous thing. Enough from you. Back to Matthews. Enough from War Profiteer Ennis trying to gouge the public. No, that's because that's because no, you lost it. It's brutal. I just I went listen, I literally spent thousands of dollars going down to the masters by myself. And would yeah and would uh, trade exactly to go rub shoulders with your rich buddies that and by the way you're yeah. like you spent that money and then you're like because you had the other money that you sold the other things right from, it worked okay. out well uh, yeah. listen I offered <laughs> yeah, it for yeah. free to my dad yeah, uh, yeah my yeah. my my yeah. poor father I thought it, yeah. you know masters supposed to be about fathers yeah. and sons I offered mm. him the opportunity to come with me couldn't do it because he had uh, hip surgery upcoming he yeah. wasn't getting around so so well I was gonna take yeah. oh, I was yeah. gonna eat it eat the money. But no, he couldn't come. And I said, if not this shared experience between fathers and sons, then I won't. I don't want anyone to have this ticket. This was for I him. Have, I have. Uh, oh yeah, no, that's the case. Um, I didn't recall you having conversations with people about what you'd sell it to them for. No, certainly not. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, Lance Kennedy. Listen, Lance Kennedy. No, no, no. <laughs> could have ponied the up the, the dough to go to the Masters, but uh, uh, yeah. like, not one of those guys no. that would do whatever it takes to get there. Let's not forget how you uh, acted insulted when certain people were like, how much would you sell them for? And you're like, oh, I could sell them for this much on the, on the internet, but this person offered me only this. How, how rude of them to even yeah, approach me rude. for my message. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, 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 you're a good guy. You're not a war profiteer. No, not at all. Uh, I, I, like that example you just used reminded me of something that I can't even bring to air because I think it's a little too, uh, too gauche. But a certain somebody who you know, was accused of things, who ended up being convicted of those things and showed up to court and was like, oh, I'm so injured. I don't know if I can go to jail. It's like, that's you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that try to garner sympathy. I know someone will put that sure together. Somebody will put that together. Some detective will put that together. I know I you can. So back to Matthews and appreciating the season because, and again, I'll I'll, I'll stop. I'm going to stop being preachy about this once I finish this. And I forgot that Tavares scored 40 as a Leaf. Sorry, that was dumb. When I said yeah, only Matthews, right out of the gate. Sorry, I know. Right away. No, I said Sundin. Sundin since 2000, and then of course Tavares. One is that. Mitch Marner played with both of those guys getting these goals. And we probably don't appreciate him enough in all of this. But it also speaks to the brilliance of Matthews is that he can be with an all-time playmaker. He did it without an all-time playmaker. And I just I do think that he is situation dependent. Does it help playing with good players? Of course it does. Of course, of course, of course it does. Do I think he's on pace for 67? No, Marner? No. But do I think he's a 40-goal scorer in his sleep at this point of his career? Yes. Man, it feels as though he's already broken Vibe's record because last year we know it was would have been an inevitability. And so it's cool. Like, And yes, respect to Vive. Bowen's right. People my age and your age are probably way too disrespectful of that considering, like, didn't watch it. But again, contextually, we're watching one of the greatest goal scorers who's ever lived. There's a real shot that that guy ends up top five in goals. No empty netters. He only has 10 power play goals this season. Mm -hmm. 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me bring up Steven Stamkos' 60-goal season because I know it was like a massive amount of those. Or just Ovechkin year over year. Right. It's just again, his and this has been documented legitimately since the beginning of his career. But the goal scoring five on five, there actually might be a case at the end of his career that he was the greatest five on five goal scorer of all time. Like the way that he's tracking right now, because that's a huge part of the conversation. Again, like no empty netters, not no power play goals. I think he had twelve and twelve the two years prior. But and he has ten this not, year also, which is actually yeah. when when you look at the hockey reference page and and you track how many 
goals and where they've come from. 10 mm -hmm. was kind of shocking to me how bad the power play has been mm -hmm. for the better part of the last two months. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's not nothing. But this is a guy who also, nothing. let's not forget, so everybody played fewer than 82 games last year. But Austin Matthews, after playing all 82 in his rookie season and, and getting to 40 goals on, what, the last game of the season or second last game of the season, after that he played 62 and 68 mm -hmm. and, and then 70 games. Like, the guy has never been healthy enough to put up um, historical goal-scoring totals throughout his career. But even with the lack of regular season games through now we're into his fifth year of um, NHL hockey... He leads the National Hockey League in five-on-five -five goal scoring since mm -hmm. he stepped foot on an NHL ice surface. Yep. And Alex yep. Ovechkin ain't slowing down. And Connor McDavid, he still exists. He still leads the National Hockey League in five-on-five -five goals since he became an NHLer. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It really, really is incredible. And that's why, like, getting back to just, you know, most enjoyable experiences as someone who has gotten to watch the Leafs since he was a kid... I would say that, again, I was too young for the 90s Leafs. Like, it just, it just doesn't resonate with me the same way because I was truly, truly, truly a child. Even 2001, like, these are, like, kind of stretches where I have, you know, memories of 2000, 2001, but they really are through the prism of being quite young. And you kind of forget how young you are until you meet somebody who is that age. Like, you think, oh, I was 13. I, I, had my, I was kind of a f form brain. And then you meet a 13-year-old and you go, oh, <laughs> That's what 13 is? You, in your brain, you think it's like your brain in the body of just a smaller human being. It's hard to like put yourself back in those shoes. But I think that watching Curtis Joseph... Do you want me to just to do this as just skaters? What? Do what? Because, yeah, I like goalies. But I, what, I think Cujo is just a little underrated been, in terms of the experience of watching, watching Cujo. Yes. Okay. I just think that the experience of Cujo... Um, was about as enjoyable as it gets as a Maple Leaf fan. Mm -hmm. Like, and and that was early again in my, but like 2001 Curtis Joseph is like one of my first holy crap hockey memories where I'm like I just, you know, loved somebody. 2000 2001 Curtis Joseph is just about as high as it gets. I was tweeting actually with uh, one of my favorite Leafs Twitter accounts the other day, Jake B Leafs about. Uh, Brian McCabe's 05 season where he was just ripping power play goals. He had 19 and he was almost a point of game defenseman. Like I really enjoyed that, but it still wasn't like watching Matt Sundin basically every year throughout his career. Like 02 Sundin, 41 goals, point of game player. And how that was always the thing with Sundin was that he was just like a point of game guy, point of game guy. Every single night you knew you were getting Sundin. So that was unbelievably, unbelievably fun. Phil Kessel, I actually think, was a little underrated. The teams were so bad, but if you go look at Kessel's numbers and Dude. just the fact that he also, like, when Kessel showed up, if you remember, he was hurt, and there was a question of, hey, whether he was going to be durable or he was going to do all these things, and then he ripped off, ne like, never missed another game for the Leafs. That was his situation. He showed up, hurt, never missed a game, and was basically just like, if he's playing with slightly better line mates, he's scoring 40 a season 100%. He ended up with 37 a couple of times. That was super, super, super enjoyable. But Matthews is just, it's just a different level. It's just a different level of enjoyment having what is most nights, unless Connor McDavid is on the ice, the most dominant player in the game. And some nights when they have played the Oilers, he's still been the most dominant. It's not like he can't replicate that experience on a night-in, night-out basis. It's the way that he takes pucks off of other people's sticks. It's the way that he's just kind of continued to evolve his game year over year, like Bowen was mentioning. I, I just, I cannot think of something that is more enjoyable than watching Matthews' career and knowing that this wasn't even the most enjoyable season so far. That this one was like, this was fun. Wasn't as fun as last year when he had 47. And I really do believe that next season, like that's going to be maybe his peak as a 24-year-old guy coming off of this season and getting to play 82 games. Just like the prospect of that, knowing that he scored in the playoffs. I know I'm rambling here, but it's because it's just, it's overwhelming how incredible it is and, and how special it is to have somebody like this in your life as a sports fan. Dude, it, it kind of reminds me of... Uh, how jealous I felt about Warriors fans that during it's that death. 72 win season, it's mm -hmm. like, 
we're all witnessing history, and we all arrange our plans to watch that team whenever we can. Mm -hmm. But you live in the Bay Area. It's like every night this is on your table, and this is Mm -hmm. what your sports life is for months and months and months and years and years and years. And even still, yes, watching Steph, that's that's part of your life for hopefully (laughs) the entirety of Austin Matthews' National Hockey League career. That's going to be it. Leafs play a game. You know you're strapping in to watch a historic player and somebody that you can tell your kids about because that's what's happened. Your uh, kids. I'll just talk to them about with my friends. Yeah. Those of us who are capable of uh, creating human life. Our next guest is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He was a participant in the most heartbreaking hockey game of my best friend's life. I was there for that. Uh, over 500 games. I know you were. I think you called it, right? I didn't call it. I was doing intermissions. Oh, okay. Sorry. But uh, I was texting around last night trying to get uh, more information on him, and I found out that he is also uh, our colleague, Christopher Stieg's quote-unquote dream fight. It's Andrew Shaw. He joins us now. What's up, man? <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good, buddy. Response to Versteague? Oh, it would be a walk in the park fighting that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little guy. He also told me to tell you that he was you before you were you. <laughs> I just think I, I I did it better, though. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's getting pretty clear. So, yeah, man, uh, I, I guess, like, Congrats on the career. Obviously, it sucks the way that things end. Um, you know, you're retiring for your health, and it's that's always a scary thing. That's probably always a really difficult to, uh, decision to come to. But, you know, you did have a full career. Not a lot of guys accomplish what you do even at age 29. But has it just changed the feeling at all, buddy, like since making this decision, since coming to it, just like where you're at mentally with everything? Uh, I think it's going to be hard for a bit, obviously. Mm-hmm. I played hockey since I was four years old, and the past ten years, it's been my entire life. You know, so it's going to take some getting used to. But I am enjoying uh, having weekends off. You know, instead of playing and flying around, it's, it's nice to be able to at home, spend some time with the family and some friends as well. Is there anything that you've you and throughout your career, you're obviously you live in the dream. You're a professional hockey player. Uh, and winning a couple of Stanley Cups, but something that you thought about, hey, when this all ends, this is something that I'm going to want to do, something that I am looking forward to, is it? And it's tough right now uh, with the way the world is, but is there something like some massive planned thing that you're thinking about doing uh, eventually? Um, I don't know. I think just enjoying other sports. You know, I've always enjoyed skiing, uh, but never really got to do it because of the hockey season. So I think... I'll travel around, ski a bunch in the winter, um, and then in the summer just take a nice vacation with the family somewhere. Uh, other than that, uh, I enjoy working with uh, wood, like carpentry work. So I always help out my old man a lot with some of the work he's got going on, and my wife, you know, gets us on some home projects. So I, little stuff like that I enjoy. But other than that, kick my feet up enjoy the summer while the sun's out and then uh next season you know when winter comes we'll we'll figure out something to keep me busy yeah you know i I actually find that part of it really fascinating is that again so 29 years old and like if you're starting a career whatever that's usually a time where most people are like starting to kind of get their feet wet and actually feel like they're like building towards something. Yours has been called short. So I I would say probably one of the toughest parts about this is like what you're going to deal with right now. Like even doing interviews like this where it's, Hey, like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do now? It's like, you just said you have been doing something your entire life. You've been doing something to the point where your passion led you to the highest of the highest heights. Right. And like, frankly, like kind of unexpected, like all things considered, right? Like, what were you? Were you fourth round pick? Like fifth round pick? Yeah. Like a a lot of this is pretty unexpected. You've obviously worked your ass off, but yeah, I would just say like, like this isn't even a question, but when it comes to this process, like 
yeah, hopefully you're not too hard on yourself that you're cool with the patience and that you do kind of enjoy some of the spoils of your, your labor and your work for a while, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're pretty lucky to be able to play the game we love, uh, especially at such a young, young age and high level and just to now to have some free time and, you know, not a care in the world. I think that's a little bit, you know, to look forward to. I, don't have any place where I need to be or what I need to wear or do and just the freedom, you know, it's 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 kinda nice. That's yeah, what course. I'm gonna have when Bitcoin gets to two million dollars per coin, that's where I'm gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Just living it up and planning out your summers. So yeah, you said you, you are a sports fan and you are watching other games. Like is it is it gonna be hard to watch hockey for a while? Like do you have an added interest in still tracking the team, following the team? Like what's your process in terms of just like watching the sport right now? Um, it's hard to uh, it's hard to watch, for sure. I mean, obviously, I want to be out there. I, I know I could make uh, my team better. I know I could bring something that they're missing. So obviously, it is hard to watch. But you know, it's now it's fun to just watch and, and enjoy. I like watching plays develop and, and that kind of stuff. I I enjoy it. Uh, maybe I'll get back into hockey uh, in the near future, but. You know, uh, it's got to be a perfect fit for me and my family. Obviously, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to want to drag my family around from city to city. Uh, you know, I just did that for years. So, um, But I do see myself getting into hockey in the future. I mean, it's a game that I love um, and have passion for. And I know I can I can teach that into other players as well. What, what capacity are you talking about? Like, what is there some thing, some dream thing that you're thinking about? Um, I mean, coaching would be fun. Uh, I I find I motivate players really well. I understand the game. Um, I I think coaching would be something I would look into in the future for sure. So we've done this with a couple of guys that used to be your teammates on those Stanley Cup winning teams. But, like, yeah, now it's funny because, like, you actually were a a pretty successful hab. Uh, I know that, you know, at the the end of the tenure – like you had like what twenty goals that final season with Montreal? Like it was it was a really really good season and not even in a full one, but we're basically staring down the barrel of a of a Leafs Habs matchup here up north, and it like it feels massive obviously because there really hasn't been that rivalry. I know that you probably experienced I guess a little bit of it seeing the Leafs sort of take off, but I, I do also wonder if it was different for you because you were on this Blackhawks team where you win cups and then when the Leafs started to take off, everyone's basically saying that they're going to be the version of you guys. And some of your former teammates that we've spoken to have said kind of like, hey, you know what, we did notice that and some guys did take it personally. And then all of a sudden you actually end up in the same division of the, as that team as it's sort of like, I don't know, reaching a little bit more of the urgency for that Leafs team to win. Was that something for you? Like, was that an anything for you? Um, for sure. I mean, they got that young core talent that, that Chicago brought up and, you know, it's just finding those key role players. And I think Toronto's done a really good job this year at bringing in leadership and depth and, um, everything to make a, a championship team. Now it's just going out and doing it, having that leadership, having that, that grit to be able to grind through the playoffs. But I don't know, man, you got to look at my show. If they get everyone I mean, it's playoffs. Anything can happen. And I know the Habs have a good team. And, you know, you know, Pricey gets hot and healthy. A lot of, uh, a lot of things can happen for sure. Uh, before I let you go, JD brought you on, uh, alluding to a thing that we didn't tell people what we're talking about. And if they're not a fan of junior hockey, they wouldn't know what we're talking about. Game seven, OHL championship series. Owen Sound Attack, Mississauga St. Michael's Majors, uh, a young Ben Ennis in the building with a horrible goatee and maybe 20 extra pounds is yeah, doing intermission. Not a good look for you. Uh, <laughs> overtime. Uh, like every, I think the population of Owen Sound in the building in Mississauga, the fullest that building has ever been for junior hockey because, yeah, the Majors didn't do a great job of uh, attracting fans, no doubt. Um, you won a couple of Stanley Cups, so it's obviously you're grading on a scale there, but when you look back on your career, do you, do you think about that? Uh, I do. I think, 
me going to Owentown was the best thing that ever happened to me in my career. You know, Mark Reeds was a coach there, and he believed in me. He believed in me as a, a player for the type of player I was, and, and not many coaches believed in that at that point in my career. And he let me be me. It, it helped my success big time. But I think about uh, Owentown a lot. I mean, I was only there for the year. Um, a, an amazing group of guys. Uh, I still have, you know, I still talk to a big part of that team and we catch up whenever we can. And uh, I think it was 10 years ago this month is when we won. So it was, it was pretty special, man. It was the city, the city got behind us. Uh, It was an unbelievable experience and it started off uh, my NHL career right after that season. So uh, I owe a lot to Owen Sound and the organization there and, and Mark Reeds as well. So you're an Ontario guy. Like we were talking to Josh Georges the other day about his decision to not leave the Habs, or at least he ended up leaving the Habs, but not to leave the Habs for the Leafs, where he nixed the trade because he didn't want to go there. I, I sort of wonder what the process is for an Ontario guy going to Montreal. Obviously you do it, and obviously it's been done many times before, and like even just like direct comparisons of just guys like who are like attack players. Like I know Nick Suzuki hurts a lot of people from Owen Sound who are Leaf fans and get to have to watch him now on that team. But for you, like when you're deciding that and when and when this is all happening and you're becoming a hab, your friendship group is what? Like your family is basically telling you what? Oh, my dad. Uh, <laughs> my dad hated that. So yeah. When I got traded there, he said there, you know, there's a couple F-bombs in there, but he said if there's 30 other teams in the NHL, you got to go to the one team that I absolutely hate. Uh, well, you get to see me more, Dad. I'll be around a lot more. So it was nice being close to home because uh, I'm in Pittsburgh County. It's south of Baltimore, Ontario, so it's like a three-hour drive door to door. Got a lot of friends and family that came to visit, so it was a, it was a good three years in Montreal there. Did you buy your dad a Habs jersey? Like, did he ever go that far? Yeah. Will you betray him publicly and, and tell the truth about whether your dad has now donned Montreal stuff? Like, dad's trip, I'm assuming, like, he came and he, yeah. he, he had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, actually, don't, they don't have a dad's trip. They don't have a parent's oh. trip at all. I know. Well, like it's too ashamed. Over, too many uh, fathers are just like your dad, where they're like, "Nah, yeah. nah, can't yeah, do it." Does it come with a disguise? Like, can I wear the fake mustache? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He actually had a 60th birthday when I was in Montreal, and I got a box for all him and his buddies and his family, and got him a hab jersey, jersey with 60 on the back, and had all the boys sign it. So he's got that up in his house right now. In a box, yeah. though, in the attic, probably. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Buried <laughs> under the stairs, deep somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, man. Again, it it uh, we're we're sad that your career ended the way that it did. It really does suck. Um, you had a terrific career. Um, we wish you all the best in the future, and and like we really do. Thank you for the time today. And yeah, good luck with everything, man. I, I think that's a really really difficult decision to come to. I think it's a uh, it must have been a tough one, but yeah, uh, we really really do hope and believe that it will be the best for you. Well, thank you. I know it's difficult, but. I left everything I had out there. I have no regrets. I'm proud of my accomplishments, so I'm okay to move on. I will miss it, but uh, it was an amazing 10 years. Uh, I have no regrets. I'm sure we'll see you in the game in some capacity at some point. Hey, Andrew, thanks for this. Take care, man. No problem, guys. Have a good one. Uh, There's Andrew Shaw, two-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, fifth-round pick, making it all the way to... Uh, a 10-year career that would have continued if not for the concussion issues where he was told explicitly by doctors, do not continue this career. So he didn't, smartly. A guy with a family guy and uh, so much ahead of him.